Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for December 1st of 2018. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHits.com. This week's edition of the podcast is going to discuss the Nylander decision that just came down. And uh, when I say just came down... I really mean it. We, we got that information within the last hour. William Nylander is going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf for... And a Stanley Cup winner? Oh, well, multiple times, obviously, because Mitch Marner's <laughs> an obvious Hall of Famer. And if Mitch <laughs> Marner's a Hall of Famer, that means Austin Matthews is better than Mario Lemieux. So, um, yeah, man, what a day for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's great news. It's good for hockey. And, like, and and not only that, if the Hall of Fame wasn't already in Toronto, they would have moved it there today anyways. <laughs> so A little bit of cynicism amongst us at the moment. But I'll say this. I love Toronto. I loved growing up playing hockey in Rochester and traveling to Toronto. I love the city of Toronto. And <clears throat> I actually I was at the last home opener of Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh, wow. So... Uh, during a travel tournament, we went to that game, and so when I when I poke fun, I it's coming from a, a good place, not a bad place, because it's coming I, from a place of love. I do love the city of Toronto, so and it's only two and a half hours away from me if you're driving uh, right. Stop rubbing it in. And then we can discuss the bag of fucking shit tom wilson is and and he is that there's no middle ground really not anymore not anymore like we'll we'll get into a lot of that when i'm sure the name matt cook might come up as who's also a bag of shit uh just to be upfront about it and then we'll talk about the penguins who had a really good week in my opinion like they needed a good week, they got a good week. They yeah, they got some points in the standings, and that's exactly what they needed. So let's start with Nylander. Uh, I kind of felt like it was always going to be a signing, not a trade. And as far as like my entertainment around the league, like what I want to see, I'm glad he signed today. I'm glad he signed and stayed. Like it wasn't as it wasn't a sign and trade or anything like that. This Toronto team, like I know I, I poked fun earlier, but this Toronto team is one of the favourites to win the Stanley Cup. Every team in the cap era has flaws. This team has flaws. One of them is not their forward depth, and adding him to what they've got up front just makes them terrifying. They're already scary enough as it is. So to add him to the mix, and if he does just slot back in there and doesn't feel the pressure of, of this and the fans don't get on him and all those kinds of things. <clears throat> it just sets them up beautifully for a run in a conference. Admittedly, their division is the tougher of the two at the moment, and surprisingly so. In a conference, it really, if they get out of their division, I would back anybody. I would back Tampa and Toronto at the moment to beat anybody in the Metro in the conference finals at the moment. That's that's how I feel about those two teams. And Toronto have just pushed themselves into a really good spot right now. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. They're, they were already pretty okay. 
lots of fun players. Like if Toronto's on and I got a show to watch, like non-hockey show, I might lean towards watching Toronto at this point in time because they give me what I want to watch in hockey. Yeah. There there's talent there. So William Nylander coming back, like that's awesome. And you know, this might play out long term is something that worked out great for them because they found out Kasperi Kapanen can play in his absence. Yeah. That's a and, good point, actually. And I'm not saying Kapanen's better than Nylander. That's obviously, like, not the direction I want to go in. But at the same time, like, Kapanen's been pretty good. And to get Nylander back, that's pretty good. So now you got two right-wing options, in my opinion, for the top six with Matthews and Tavares, wow. <laughs> Sign me up. I want to watch this team play hockey. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you look at Babcock's history in regards to playing youth. He doesn't, you know, you look at all his time in Toronto and what he did in, in Anaheim. He didn't really play a lot of youth. And Kasperi Kapanen isn't a superstar isn't a star player like, you know, Mana is and, 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 and Nylander. So he got forced to play him. And this is why I think you're right. The benefit they're going to get out of Nylander being out for as long as he was, was that they got a really good hard look and enforced look upon what Kapanen can do. And they're like, oh, shit, you know, this guy can be good. It just fills their depth out even more. Like, you know, you, you've got Nylander, Mana. Kapanen down the right hand side if you want like the the flexibility they have in their top nine is amazing now and you can point your finger at some of the defensive flaws uh in in their back half of the roster but this forward line can quite clearly make up for it if they play below average and Freddie Anderson's proving to be an above average goalie this year so it's all set up for for this year to to be a success for them and um it would be awesome if it was because there'd be so much more money for the salary cap if Toronto won the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right. But at the same time, I'm looking at the 2016-17 Penguins, forward depth, shit defense. And, and quite frankly, Toronto's defense is better than Pittsburgh's was that run with, with Riley and Gardner. Yeah. I mean, Ron Hainsey is on this roster as well. <laughs> Wasn't even thinking about him. But yes, you're right. And Freddie Anderson's playing a high level of hockey. Like, think about this. Matthews, Tavares, Kadri. Nylander, Marner, Kapanen. Like, figure out the left side and you're gold. Well, the... <laughs> If we're going to do that comparison back to the the Penguins' last cup, um, there's more there's more overall depth in this roster than there is in the one that the what last won it. So if you're going to make the comparisons be- between both those teams, um, this Toronto team could certainly do it. They just need Anderson to probably have one series where he does a 
Fleury v. The Capitals. You know I what I mean? Know. I don't know if it would take that much. I think league average might do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it might, but I just just something tells me that. I mean, it gets Tampa, of, no doubt. Like you, you got that, to come strong. Yeah, and that that might be the the one. I mean, Tampa are playoff hardened. They've had disappointments when they've been expected to win. This Toronto team, this will be the first time they go in expecting to win their rounds and like get through. So you never know with the human element how that plays with players' minds, their confidence, pressures, all those sorts of things. They might they might have a, a series where they, for want of a better word, probably not the right one, to choke. You know what I mean? And, and therefore it gets it's on Anderson to get them out of that that freeze moment, and then the team will you know can run off and go crazy. But this roster is fantastic. I mean, this was always going to be an asterisk year if if you didn't sign. All the fans will be able to go, we would have won it if not for. Well, now they've got everything they want. So there's no excuses for this roster, the the management, all of that. They've got this thing locked and loaded for 2018-19. Player as well. I don't think he lost any money on the, the, the structure of the contract. It's going to be six years, six point nine million, so a nice contract, and very fair. Well, it also lets him cash in at twenty eight. Yeah, and so you know, I think that's the big one for him because I don't. I think he knows he's not going to end up staying there. I, I think he I think he's well aware of the uh, financial structures and all that. So. I don't know. Six point nine million for him is uh, is, is fair. And oh I yeah, I think I, they're going to sign yeah. Gardner. And if they make a deep playoff run, like they're incentivized to do well, because as you said, if Toronto does well, then the cap goes up. Yeah, the whole it, league should hope that Toronto wins things. three in a row. Um, I I. We've, we've said a lot about our opinions on the RFA system. I, I do think it's a little bit ludicrous that William Nylander and, and other players like Pasternak have to go through this. And I actually applaud Nylander for butting up against this deadline. It's his only bargaining chip. That's yeah, it. That's it, all it he's really got. Is. And I don't um, – Jeff Viette had a, had a nice article today about it and spoke about how, you know, neither, neither side's really at blame. No, no, it's they're, the system. They're both to blame and they're both not to blame. It's, it's the, the system. system. And the RFA system's going to do this and – you know, if I'm William Nylander and I'm looking at, like, this is his job. This is his livelihood. This is his money. I'm better than fucking Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> like, why do I have to make less than him? Yeah. Because I'm a restricted free agent? Fuck that. I'm not going to make less than Patrick Marlowe. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah. I'm not dogging Patrick Marlowe, but he's making six mil. And when you look at, like, I'm young, I'm great. I, I had a wonderful season last year. I have a better future track than him. 
Why why should I give money away? You know? Oh, totally agree. It's it, it's the NHL is trying to make out that the negotiations for the new CBA should be relatively simple. They seem to feel like they've got the right structures in place. There doesn't need to be a big shift in regards to whacking a salary cap on or anything like that. It'll be, um, you know, it'll be how much of the share of the revenue both sides have, and obviously going to use the Olympics as a bargaining chip. All those types of things. But I think the RFA status is something that the younger generation of players really, really should try and do something about try and give back a little bit of power to the to the player so that this doesn't happen. Like, the, the, the clubs aren't going to want it because they want those young guys to fold so they can keep, you know, as Bettman likes to say, cost certainty, try and, you know, suppress wages, um, which is funny how big corporations always try to cost, do that. Cost certainty should come in the fucking 30-year-old brand. <clears throat> and then that, look, that is changing. Like no, that, no, that it is. is. And, and that's the point. Like, Okay, we got to pay the younger guys more. Well, with the cap, and it's a hard cap, somebody's going to lose, and it's going to be the guys that are being paid for past performance. And there will be a generation of players that gets fucked over. Yeah, I'm just curious when. After that generation gets fucked over, it'll be right. Well, the opposition to that would be a luxury tax and not having a hard cap. And that might be a big change that does. I don't think this CBA, a luxury tax, is going to pop in. But the one after it, it would not surprise me at all if the uh, teams that are producing a stack load of revenue are like, well, look, we're carrying this league. We should be allowed to spend over the cap. We'll pay you, you know, one and a half dollars for every dollar that we're over the cap into the luxury tax. But we want the right to be able to load our teams up because our fans turn up. I, I like I, the argument you... for it, but the the real root problem of that idea is that you have a salary cap for a reason to, to kind of, you know, have that competition level across the league, which I do think they have right now. Oh, they absolutely do. And, like, I don't I, – I think the luxury tax in the NBA has been great. Like, I think that makes for fascinating conversations. The NBA is way more interesting from Well, your argument regard. is – the argument is, are you looking for league-wide competition or are you looking for super teams? And the luxury tax allows your super teams to compete, um, but it doesn't allow the smaller markets to. They're just sort of there along for the ride unless a new owner comes in and they have a stack load of money. So that's that's what you've got to balance up as a league. You've got to work out whether you want the league to be 32 teams wide and, you know, have the ability for teams like Buffalo to come out of nowhere because of the way the cap locks everybody in, or are you going to have it so that if Buffalo did want to do that, they're going to have to buy players in using their luxury tax. So it's the different. It, it's just a different way that the league will be put together. Well, I think there are cycles to the luxury tax because the Knicks always suck and should have the most money. Yeah, but you've got to be a good GM to yeah. use it. Yes, correct. <laughs> but the the problem with the NHL is the socioeconomics of the sport. You're not pulling oh, in that. Like, 
I think you kind of have to have the hard cap because there's just if you put a luxury tax in, it would be even more grossly advantageous in the NHL than it is in the yep. NBA. I agree. But I think the players would like it because it gives them the flexibility to earn more money. I mean, you could still put structures into the contracts to to not obviously backdive like they're currently doing, all those sorts of things. Um, but it would just come down to the hard money spent each year on the contracts, I would assume. But I think you're right. I don't think the finances that come into this league would warrant a luxury tax working as well as it does in the NBA. I think the hard cap in this league works, which means there is going to be that one generation who hits 28 and above that are going to get screwed over. But if they, if, if they went all UFA after the initial rookie contract, way more interesting. I agree, but I I reckon I mean, that's, up, that's what needs to happen. I have a feeling that if they tried to get that done, they'd want a five-year rookie contract. Because Tough they shit. always want to... Tough I, I get it. I get it. So it's one of those things. We're having like a really general, you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning conversation here about this, and you can already see sticking points in regards to things that, you know, aren't massive changes, but they do really change a player's ability to negotiate and the team's ability to keep salaries down, which is what they're always trying to do. So, yeah, but the cap's the cap. I realise that. But the way these teams work, if they if the cap is 80 mil and they can do this for 70, they'll do it for 70. It's 10 mil they're not paying somewhere else. These guys don't own these teams because they just throw money away. In their other world, in their know. business world. Yeah, but they're, that's the thing. that Nobody's owning a hockey team to make money. I get that, but they also don't just throw money away willy-nilly. Well, that's Unless you're Philly. With the whole setup. Yeah. <laughs> Philly. Well, we didn't even think we were going to talk about those. We might yet. Um, any, anything else on, on Willie? Glad that I'll get to watch him play soon, and yeah. glad that um, you know I'm I'm super interested. Like Buffalo is my home market, but at the same time, I think I've played more hockey games myself in Toronto than Buffalo, even with, <laughs> even with being in um, what was the Empire Le- Empire West Travel Team or League. And a lot of our teams were in Buffalo. I just remember tournament after tournament being in Toronto. I loved it. Loved the city. Um, I'm not anti-Maple Leaf. I know some people don't like to... like The, the Toronto media is going to be tough to consume. If they're I'm exhausted with that at the moment. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm exhausted but, with that, yeah. But but at the same time, like, I got to separate that. I have to separate that from the actual hockey team. Well, the product on the earth, exactly. Like, Absolutely. That's on me on Twitter. I got to mute or do whatever I got to do to get rid of the nonsense. But I'm all for Toronto... You know, being relevant. It's close to me. 
and they're really good. They're going to be one of the funner teams, so I'm I'm very excited. So, just this will be my last thing on this. We had 1993. It should have been Maria versus Wayne, and then the Islanders fucked the world. Yeah, but uh, you know the Is, Islanders won fair and square on that one. No, that's not my that's not my complaint. <laughs> no, exactly, and, and that's not mine either. But yes, I agree. Mario versus Wayne, we lost that. Yeah, so we've had we've had Sid and Ovi, but it's never been for the whole thing, right? Which has been great. You look at the shifting ages of what's going on with the superstars at the moment, and at some point you hope that it's Connor McDavid versus Austin Matthews. I'm assuming is what we'd like to see, seeing as it's that whole. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I no, can't. I, I can't. Yeah, I know. No, I, that's that's sort of my point. It's like, I come can't. on. Connor, get the fuck out of there. You know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, that that's thats what we should be hoping for in the yeah, next five years. Yeah, into the microphone. Connor, get the fuck out of there. And Toronto's, Toronto's right there. Like, Toronto's Toronto is right there. Correct. And Connor right is not. there for Connor to go to, but no. Toronto's there as far as, like, hey, Peter Chiarelli doesn't run this team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so almost that's like somebody all. smart does. Fucking yeah, yeah. crazy. It's yeah, crazy, well, crazy, crazy. It's all right. Spreadsheet boy's doing his job. Man. If only they had Lou, they'd be even better. It is, it is interesting how everything in the next couple of years is being weighed up as a referendum on who made what trade, yeah, who made I, what deal. Yeah. I'm am gu- guilty of that. And oh, I do it too. I, I do it with I, Rutherford. I do think yeah, it it goes past the point of humor at times, and I'm guilty of it, and and that should go into the, our next discussion, which is Tom Wilson is a piece of shit. All right, so I. Sort of, I, I didn't see it live. I, I, I didn't see it up. live either. I was watching, no. as finishing up season six of House of Cards, which is probably, there was some good acting in it. The plot sucked, so it was kind of like wa- watching the Capitals and then watching Tom Wilson headshot somebody in that <laughs> regard. Yeah, this hit in itself didn't get him in the head. But the thing is, though, it's, it's late. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's late. And it's it's not just a little late. That puck is long gone. He coasted in to make that hit, and he hit him from behind. There is the whole blind spot thing that Matt, thing that Matt Cook was brilliant at doing, which is what makes him a piece of shit, right? And, and that whole blind spot area, and Washington need to stop, like, the media here I'm talking about, so the fans can defend him all they like because... That's what fans do, but the media are complicit in this now. From that, from that area, they they cannot keep defending him. Like um, the guy on the uh, the special comments guy on their um, on their coverage is like, that's not even a penalty. Well, it's like it is. It's a late check from behind. It's just not checking into the it's boards. Absolutely an ejection. And when you wanna like. What's the point of what happened there? What's he was the only just trying to hurt point him. Yeah. of what happened there. 
Yeah, you're not trying to intimidate a guy physically there, which is what everybody says Wilson's out there to do. All you're trying to do at that point is injure him. The puck's gone, so puck possession argument out the window. Yep. And, like, I don't usually like the screenshot stuff uh, on on controversial hits because, you know, sometimes they the screenshots don't paint the proper picture. But when Travis Yost gave his really uh, to, yeah. to that and, and Tom Wilson was near the blue line – when the guy got rid of the puck, that's yeah, not, it's not the a bang, moment bang. of the hit thing. Yeah. That's a, like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's it's not a bang, bang, he got rid of the puck, I was right next to him, then I hit him. And because he threw the puck or shot the puck really quickly, that's why the puck's a mile away. Like, this is literally a two-second count. And and Wilson, I'll, I'll, I will say this, is that Wilson coasted. Wilson didn't skate like Wilson wasn't speeding up to hit him, but to say that was accidental contact. No, no, no. But to say it's accidental contact, he didn't have to touch him. And, and and that's the other that's the other thing that annoys me with this argument. Oh, I didn't really mean to get him. It's like well, he, there was no way in hell he was going to be ready to get hit because he couldn't. Even, he didn't even know Wilson was coming. The puck was way gone, so you don't have an I expectation to get him. Expect it. <sighs> What, why would anybody have a proper expectation of that? He's so, a fucking bag of shit. So he I a didn't piece of fucking shit. I didn't expect him to get suspended, but I think what is frustrating about it when you see it on Twitter is that people still do not. This shows you how bad the Department of Player Safety has explained the way they process out their suspensions. They look at the hit first. If it's not suspendable. The player's history doesn't matter. It only matters once it's classed as suspendable. Then they do the whole, well, how many times has he been suspended? What's his history? All of that kind of stuff. So, yes, he is a bag of shit. Yes, that play didn't need to occur. But I really didn't think they were going to suspend him on it anyway because he didn't get him in the head. And the player, I can't remember. Was the, Did the guy leave the game as well and like not return? I literally can't remember. I'd be lying if I said I knew Yeah. And, so if, but if I'd he also comes back, be lying if I said that didn't matter, and it shouldn't I, because action it, versus result. We've we've covered that. But yeah, you're right. that's not how you're they do right. it. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's a valid question to ask based on the standards set forth. And this is the problem they have when they got when they were thankfully honest about what they did with Wilson through the playoffs and trying to coach him into being better, because they leave themselves open to all of this now. They should have just not said anything about how they did it or, well, they should have just not said anything. There's not really another option to go because the option they've gone with here is Wilson has shown he has not changed his behavior at all. And he came out today and said that much. Did you see his quote today? Uh, No, but I do remember, um, hang on, so he's kind of said something after this saying there's nothing wrong with what I did? Yes. And just said I'm Tom Wilson, that's why I got pinged? In a nutshell, yeah. I. It was a hockey play. It was a collision. How is how is that a hockey play? Yeah. I, I don't I don't get it. The puck's it. a mile away. Like it's it's like past the two second rule. That's like a I don't know a made up sort of a rule. 
I don't get how you can say that's a hockey play. He's come in from the blind side. There is no way that guy knows that he's going to get hit. And I've just realized I don't even know who the name of the player was that he hit. Not that it matters. But that's not a hockey play. He could have avoided the hit. In what part of hockey does this does this exist? Like, what's it, what's the point of it? He had one aim, and that was to injure the guy. Or he's reckless and irresponsible and... A piece of shit? For, for the same problem. Like, if you can't recognize on ice situations, uh, playing in the NHL is not a right. It's a privilege. Get the fuck out. And the... I get why the Capitals are protective of him. I mean, he's been on a massive hot streak since he came back from his suspension. I get why they don't want him out of the lineup. He's 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 been good. Yeah, that's not what he's this effective. is about. No, he's an effective hockey player when he's playing hockey. And the something terrible is going to happen before anything changes with the way the NHL looks at him. And if it ends up being Matt Cook-level style of terrible, it's just disgraceful if that's the case. Yeah, but isn't that the same bullshit cycle we all went through in Pittsburgh as Absolutely. Yep. Oh, well, he's an effective player. He couldn't possibly be that dirty. No, that was the thing. He always was that dirty. He was before he was a penguin. He was after he was a penguin. And and that's the, the, the reality of it. Like, it, it shouldn't take a player to be on another team for you to be able to put your hand up and say, that's got to stop. You can't do this. It's wrong. So you got the Capitals coach, Todd Reardon, calling it incidental contact, which is, you know, Todd, shut the fuck up, is really what I wanted to say about that. Because even Pittsburgh, Matt Cook was like an important part of their third line for a long time yeah they even got to the point where they're like the nhl suspended them for that hit on ryan mcdonough and they're like you know what you're right he's a fucking idiot matt cook is a fucking idiot and we accept this and these aren't the hits that should be happening in our sport yet you get like tom wilson's past that point like, he's, okay, he's at least at that point. But you don't hear those comments from Washington. Yeah, but Matt Cook really destroyed a couple of guys. Like, I mean, destroyed them. And, and Wilson hasn't done that yet. Sure he has. It's just random variance that he, that, that the acts are all the same. Correct, but there hasn't been a career... The, the Mark Savard stuff's um, tough to swallow because of how good Mark Savard was and the fact that he couldn't recover. But these these hits are all blindside nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's just all like the same flipping stuff. a the coin different. kind yep. of deal with yep. what that's the what actual it's gonna brain take. damage is going to be. And that's, that's what it's going to take. Yeah. And... You know, I don't I don't want to applaud Pittsburgh for being like, finally, well, gee, Matt, maybe you should change. <laughs> like, I don't want to, like, give them a standing ovation for that. But at the same time, it reached a certain point where they're like, what the, 
what the fuck are we doing here? I suppose. Would you, would you stop being a fucking idiot, Matt? And Washington's not even close to that right now. No, it's interesting for me with the Pittsburgh side of it because they were having massive issues with, with Crosby and his noggin, right? And obviously wanted to try and protect him, but you can't ask for the league to protect your most important asset if you've got a guy going around sniping everybody else's asset. Now, Ovechkin's been absolutely blessed with not getting crushed, but Backstrom's had concussion issues, Kuznetsov, I think, has as well. You've got to be careful how you look after your your top-end players. And Kuzi's going to be around for a bit longer than than um, Backstrom, just the age factor. So I, they're walking a really fine line here because they're not going to ask him to change until he does literally do a Matt Cook and, and destroy someone's career. Because the stuff, you're right, the stuff that Wilson's doing now is the same stuff that Matt Cook was doing back it's then. It's the same, and he's gotten different results, which Correct. thankfully for other players. Yeah. He's, he's as predatory. Oh, absolutely. And the, the league has cornered itself now. They're going to have people banging for Wilson's blood like they have been. They've already come out and said that he's not going to be disciplined supplementally. And they banged and... themselves into this corner where... Correct. If they suspended him for for the hit, they felt like they'd have to give him 30 or more games for that hit. Whereas a normal player, that's not a 30-game suspension. No, that's right. history, because they're absurd standards, they're like, well... We can't suspend him for the five games he probably deserved, so I guess we can't do it at all. See, so from what you just said then, I am assuming that no matter who throws that hit, you'd want them suspended? Well, what does it have to do with playing hockey? No, because I'm, I'm all for that being a, being a suspension. I'm all this, for that. Like, bang, bang plays, I'm still of the mind leaning towards being harsh on them because the league has such a problem with player safety. This, this doesn't even like come close to that. The guy got rid of the puck to the corner and like one Mississippi two Mississippi is a lifetime. I'm telling you, it's a lifetime to, to avoid it. And the Capitals can't claim that he's a good player if he's unable to avoid that stuff. Like, they talk out both sides of their mouth. Yeah. He couldn't possibly be a competent player if he can't get out of the way of that. No, but they're going to, they're just riding their luck with it. I'm almost at the point now where. I kind of want him to screw up in the playoffs, right? But that would involve him injuring someone, yeah, so I don't want. The, so I don't. So I don't want that to. Happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's I, the the crappy part of it. Because it almost needs to be that he. Because there is no way they can. If he doesn't get suspended for the rest of the year, right? Then something happens in the playoffs. There is no way that he won't miss an entire series. Because the multipliers on him at the moment would have him up around at least 14 games. Harvard, that's seven. 
that's the way they, they've lobbed their standards. Like, there's no way he wouldn't miss seven games in a playoff series. So, through the playoffs. So, they might win a series and he comes back, you know, halfway through the next. So, like, it's at that point where you go, because he is a massive part of how that team functions. If they miss him for that long, that's that's a tough punishment for a club not getting him to change his way. So I kind of want him to get pinged, but I don't want him to injure someone, which is almost the only way you get suspended in the playoffs now. So the, they've really they've really screwed themselves over, I think, the Department of Player Safety here. I thought Alex Tangay did a good job on the NHL Network of showing the distance between the players when the, the puck got released. He just totally shit on whatever bullshit excuse the Capitals could possibly have. Todd Reardon, incidental contact. Incidental Todd, to what? Skating Todd, past? Get your head out of your fucking ass and just say, you know what? Give a no comment. That's always better. You you look like a fucking fool being like apologetic for it at this point. Like your credibility is just like it's, it's garbage. And you know, I wrote today is Tom Wilson, a psychopath or an idiot. It's one of I the run, two. I run with option B, to be perfectly honest. Psychopath, definitely. Yeah, at this point, you got to think. He just, he's coming off like a highly publicized long-term suspension that he got gifted for reasons unknown in appeal to shave games off, and he can't even make it nine games. And we're not even talking about a situation where, like, this is the one time he screwed up. He can't even make it, like, I think the prior one was 18 games in between suspensions. This guy's a fucking moron. He He's a cancer to the game. And he's either an idiot or a psychopath. So... Hopefully he's just an idiot, and you just yeah. get him out of the game. But it's going. It, it's going to take. He's going to have to get himself suspended out of the league for anything to change, isn't he? Because quite clearly he he's shown that he can't. And the league's not going to suspend him out of the league. Like it, it, they're not going to be able to multiply him up enough because the next suspension he gets, he'll just go to arbitration again, because. They can do that, and the league can go and try and suspend him for X. And I remember listening to Wyshynski on, I can't remember which one of his two podcasts it is, but him getting there and saying, I don't, I think he said the league doesn't want to set the precedence of going, we want this player suspended for 20 games, so we're going to suspend him for 40, knowing that he'll go to arbitration and get cut in half. So they're going to get there and say, we want him suspended for 20 they suspend him for 20, and it gets cut to 15, or it gets cut to 12, and it's like, that's defeating the purpose of what they're doing. Yeah. Well, 
here's my only theory for Tom. Are you familiar with Super Mario World? A little bit. You know the ghost, like the big, yep. big ghost? Yep, yep. Big Boo. Like, that must be his mentor. <laughs> like, when you're looking at him, everything's fine. Like, he stops. Second you turn your back, Big Boo is going to fuck you over. <laughs> Oh, that's a great reference. Big Boo is Tom Wilson's mentor. <laughs> that's all I can think of. You've Second been playing you your Switch your lately. Bed. Well, yeah, but <laughs> more Metroid than... Ah, yep. No, his mentor is Big Boo. Oh, their back's turned. I'm, I'm, I'm going to fuck their shit up. It's just out of curiosity. That's not exactly what I'd call tough, either. No, not at all. You know, to get there and, and to knock guys around when they can't see them coming, when they don't know they're there, that's it's not brave. That's not tough. It's not toughness. It's not the Canadian way. No, that's... You know? um, all of that know, bullshit. He probably jerked off to Scott Stevens' posters in his bedroom. Well, there's a statement I never thought I'd hear on the podcast. Well, there it is. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, Scott Stevens. He, he's a... True player. All of his highlights are really, you know, I I mean, they're one and the same. People that are predatory and do their most damage when people aren't looking. And you're going to get a bunch of people that are apologetic about it. And it's unfortunate because I, th I think we should be past this point. But no. that's the extent of what I have to say about that. And, you know, we'll move on to our Pittsburgh thoughts. But, you know, Tom Wilson is basically in under-punished Matt Cook right now. Who, by the way, also played for Washington. Yeah, I didn't think we needed to bring that up. <laughs> well, well, I just did. Um, so what do you want to talk about with uh, the Penguins? Um, I don't know what to expect from this team. The superstars are carrying them as a general rule. They have one game where the bottom six actually score, and the next minute you know Penguins Twitter is all up in arms about these guys being the next X, Y, and Z. It's, it's like... They're going to score. Like, they were, they were bad goals by Hallibuck that Hallibuck let in. It's great oh, that the they Derek, scored. the Derek Grant yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, a lot of Penguins analysis doesn't understand the small sample size. It's like a disease. So, I don't know. The, it's, you, you saw Ricola is going to be great. Yeah. So, they're still a holy, patchy team, you know. The, the entire time we've had these guys on, on the roster, they they ride and fall on the superstars, and it, it's they're relying on Chris Letang being superhuman, and thankfully he is. Not that he wasn't last year; he just had terrible save percentage when he was on the ice. Like his numbers, his numbers are not that different from last year. 
So we're okay. I, yes, we're going there. Yep. Okay. Well, before the podcast, we just said we're going to talk about the penguins in a natural flow. So here we are. I hate the Chris Letang revival narrative. His expected goals have been like 54 55% since 2009. The only year he dropped down significantly was the year he had a stroke. Funny that. Yeah, I mean, fancy that. His on-ice save percentage last year was in the 800s, and this year it's like 920, or close to that, or it's 9-something. On a year where the goaltending's been shit. I'm of the belief that that shit is random. Some people are going to buy into the fact that, well, he's just playing better, so the goalies are saving it more. But you gotta, you, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Are, are you buying into expected goals? Or are you going to go with that other stuff? Because you can't have both. If you think he's rebounding... You have to ignore the fact his expected goals were positive last year, which they've been forever. Like, it makes no sense to me. Uh, Suppose the, if, if we're going to run that counter-argument, the only thing I could think of is how many high-data chances did he give up last year to how many high-data chances he gave up he's giving up this year. But that's factored into expected goals. Is that right? Like yes, the way yes, the yes. algorithms rolled out there. So. So if you are going to use expected goals for your numbers, th- that's one of those um, uh, aggregate stats where it, it, it combines everything in and then it spits you out a number. So it's a simple way to sort of assess how a player's growing from year to year. Now, if that hasn't varied much, and I would say from what you've just said, it's inside a, a statistical significant margin of error, He's been the same player all the way through. so Which is great. Yes. The, the, the argument isn't that he's not been great this year. It's just that the results that he had last year when he was on the ice weren't related to what he was doing. Correct. And I think it's irresponsible to pretend like he had the shit year in 2017-18. It's almost like people are just trying to to say these sorts of things to push him up into the Norris candidacy and stuff like that, which perfectly fine with me. I don't particularly care. Which he was there not... until he fucking got paired with you know who. Yeah, and and he he it, you don't and this is Twitter and you know I'm guilty of it as well at times I'm sure, but you don't have to have a hot take on everything. You know, you don't have to oh, try I'm, and. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You don't have to write a massive article on it explaining why he's been improved this year compared to last year because the gap of his performance is not any bigger for better or worse. Like it, it's just not there. It's just the goalies are saving more shots while he's on the ice. 
I'll say that his offense production has been better, which makes this year a better um, year for him. But I do think a lot of the perception is on ice save percentage, which if you're following that kind of stuff and you're like reading, oh my God, Chris Letang has lost this year. When he when he was like a fifty four point five expected goals player, and now he's like a fifty five expected goals player. It's like, uh, sure, sure. Hey, I I will say this: if you run the eye test against what he was last year to this year, he does not doubt himself at all this year. Even when he makes an error, he he doesn't drop his head. He he might break his stick on on the goal or something like that. But he doesn't drop his head, and you can tell that he's not second-guessing what happens out there this year. Last year, I actually think he doubted whether he'd ever get back to himself for the obvious reasons. That's the perception. Like, somebody there has to be like, you're on ice save percentage of shit. Don't worry about that. Keep playing. Which I think might have happened through the year, coaching-wise. Otherwise, I don't think he gets to where he is now. I think internally they were doing that. I think they were, you know, obviously trying to pump his tires because they thought that he needed to get back to where he was, which he is now. But you, you, these people are human, and you do have to deal with the human element of self-confidence and stuff like that. I think they were doing exactly what you said internally because externally they were trying to, you know, say, oh, we're asking Chris to do things a little bit differently, and that was driving me nuts because it's like, why get him to do something different? Yeah, and anyway. minutes or... Yeah, all of that. All, all of these just nonsense items. Not treating Chris Letang like he's not one of the top half of the number one defenseman in the league, if not like the top seven-ish. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think a, a lot of the stuff they would say publicly was to, was to just try and... and get the the fans and the um the media just to, to lay off him a little bit so you know i i do get very frustrated with how pittsburgh publicly talk about what they want to do with the team and how they want to handle things but i, I legitimately think they would have been you know out there saying to Latang, hey dude this isn't on you the numbers are showing it's not you everything's pushing you away the only thing that's not is the pucks leaking in behind you so don't don't fret when it's when it's not you because, you know, he's going to have those egregious errors that are literally his fault, but they're so few and far between with the amount of time the puck spends on his stick, you just deal with those. And, and I, this year, he certainly doesn't look like a player that is internalizing every goal that goes in when he's on the ice. And there's less of them. Go figure. It's almost <laughs> yeah. like it bounced back regressionally. Um, so, speaking of goaltending, that Jimmy Howard rumor... I didn't even know this was about until I read your piece. Yeah. Um, so you read it and you're like, at least my initial reaction was like, this this is stupid. And But then I kind of dove in. And I don't think it's still like something, they need to do it tomorrow. Um. It's one of those things I looked into. His his even strength save percentage has been consistently league average or better for a long time. 
His high danger save percentage is no more volatile than uh, what they dealt with with Flurry. And the asking price that Frank uh, Cervelli reported, it, it seems absurd on the surface, but at the end of the day, you've got a goalie that's playing at a high level with high danger save percentage and a long sample size of just being league average or better at even strength. Like, if you don't trust Casey DeSmith and Matt Murray, and you're going to spend that first-round pick anyways, you know, it's something to think about is all I'm saying. My initial reaction was, oh, hell no. And then I looked into it, and I was like, well... You're nowhere without goaltending, and I hate spending on goaltending. They just need to play the shit out of Casey DeSmith right now and find out what they actually have. Yeah, uh, I agree. I I suppose for me it's the how do they fit him under the cap in regards to how much salary is Well, that's Detroit. part of the first-round pick. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, is yeah. the... Because straight up first round pick for a five million goalie, I don't think that's the uh, fair value. I think if you're trading the first round pick, it's salary retention to make it work. But at the same time, every trade the Penguins make right now, how can you not look at that just black hole that's costing them $3.25 million? Drink. Um, yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah, Jeff no, no. Johnson fucking sucks. And that's $3 million where you're trying to make these trades and you got to maneuver around it because he fucking sucks. I I do like your just got to play to Smith and find out what you have theory. You got to right now. The, the, the thing that I find funny with that is that it's like, this is the goaltending position we're talking about. So he could quite literally burn points on this team right now. Um, I agree with the sentiment. You're like, you have to do it. So why aren't they doing that with Daniel Sprong either? Why are they not playing him now? Because oh, well. errors that he makes theoretically aren't going to be errors that cost you a goal straight up. Whereas with the Smith, they will, but they, they do. They have to, they have to work out whether they can rely on him because like Matt Murray will come back and they will play him, but you don't know what version of Matt Murray you're going to get. Are you going to get pre-Matt Murray having a brain snap and lose, forgetting how to play, or are you going to have forgotten how to play Matt Murray? Like you, you literally don't know what – because the sample sizes of both are almost the same length now. So which one of them is he? And like you said, you would bank on him – instead of being Jekyll and Hyde somewhere in the middle, which is the contract that he's got signed. So you do, you need to find out what the geo is with the Smith and, and see whether he can at least give you league average. If he can, I think the Penguins will be fine. They can go and try and spend that, the whatever cap space they have and assets to try and get another puck moving defenseman. I want them to have one on each pairing. And that includes when Schultz gets back. So Schultz is the second pairing puck mover. And then 
get whoever they can to be that third that third line puck mover that has to get stuck with stuck with Jack Johnson because well, he will end up he will end up on that third pair. No, he's not. Yeah. He is not. I know you're what you're trying to get me to do here. Yeah. No, he is not. No. No. <laughs> his parents stole his money and he moves that puck. He moves it. Just <sighs> difficult. Yeah, I'm gonna be difficult. No, you're diff you're difficult. Jack moves that puck. He makes that money. Don't you dare criticize Jack. I'm going to criticize him a lot. I I knew that deal was going to drive the two of us bonkers. Like, absolutely, you it would. Yeah, you're right. I, it's, it's, just, it's just maddening. Absolutely maddening. And like you said, it's the black hole that they keep having to maneuver around and I think the thing that I find funny about that is I don't think that Rutherford realizes that as in doesn't look at it as though that's the problem. Yeah. Anything else penguins wise? Not at the moment. They're they're about to hit the ice. To play the Philadelphia Flyers, and you know, we timed this podcast so we could both enjoy it. So, what we're gonna do is, I reckon we might bail, go watch this game, and I'll probably crack the shits because Gritty will play better than most of the bottom six. Gritty, Gritty's my dude. I love that thing, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> fucking love Gritty. He made a half-court shot. You saw that on Twitter. Oh, I fucking love Gritty. The splits, gets up, wanders off. It's like, yes, you are. You are so cool. Shit, man, I am Gritty. I, have, I, I was him for Halloween. Yes, I saw the photo of that. That was awesome. <laughs> I love Gritty. And if he eats Iceberg... I'm going to apologize for it, much like the people that sport Tom Wilson. So. <laughs> oh, my God, the hypocrisy. Yep. Yep. Gritty's a good dude. Gritty, Gritty didn't mean it. Gritty, Gritty did not mean it. He didn't mean to eat you, okay? He, he was forced into the situation. Uh, good grief. Yeah, All right, so. let's get out of here. Yeah, let's do that. We're going to watch that game. All right, catch you later, everyone. See ya.